This is the Authentic Entrepreneurs Podcast with your host, Nick Foley and Stu Saunders. Here we go. Hey, we're back, Nick. We are back. Episode number four of the Authentic Entrepreneurs, season number two. We are here today. The music today is a little young JT. Yeah, Justin Timberlake. Shake your body. What is it? No, move your body. Move your body. Rock your body. No, it's rock your body. Ah, yes. And I'm, I'm trying to pick music this season that has to do with our, our theme or our guests. Yeah. Right? So and today, yes, today is a great opportunity. You're doing that because we have the, we have uh, the amazing Mark Bowden on. Let me turn this down. The amazing Mark Bowden on. Yes, we do. And by the way, if you're just joining us uh, for the very first time ever, thank you so much for sharing your afternoon, your evening, your drive, your cutting the lawn, you're going for a run, whatever it is, your time with us um, here on the Authentic Entrepreneurs. My name is Stu Saunders. I'm Nick Foley, and we are your faithful hosts. Uh, we are really excited for our season so far. It's been going very, very well. And to keep that level up of awesomeness, um, we have the wonderful, amazing Mr. Mark Bowden. You can see him on the screen behind us. Um, and Mark is, he's like a James Bond character. He's like a, he, he's a James. <laughs> okay, I'll let you go with this. What? Well, because he's got a British accent. He's got the flowing blonde hair. Often I've seen him wear a cravat. What is a cravat? It's like a it's like a little scarf you wear around your neck. You tuck it in your shirt, kind of oh, puffs out. Yeah, he could pull off a cravat though. He's totally a charming guy. He knows his stuff. Yeah, and he's he's a, he's, a, he's a genius actually. He's quite smart. He, you know, you'll often turn on TVs in the U.S. and Canada and see Mark consulting about body language. Oh uh, yeah, that's Mastering, what he's talking about. He's an expert. Yeah, he's also over Epic Faculty, um, which we're super excited about uh, this year. And um, yeah, so let's get right into it. Let's not waste any more time. Anything happening with you in your life exciting? I should. No, I just I, I live to be a part of the authentic entrepreneurs, man. Speaking going well. It is busy. Sock, Kids. sock business going well. Sock business is going well. We uh, we got a couple uh, big things coming up in the uh, pipeline, but we'll talk about that in later episodes. Yeah, sock well. businesses are going well, family's and good. family's good. How about you, man? What's your? Uh, you know what? Show? I'm good. I'm excited. Life is good. I'm pumped up. I'm working on a book called Ninety Eight Percent. Saw that. Um, which we talked about, I think, last episode a little bit. We'll talk a bit more about it um, some other time. But yeah, so I'm busy. Well, family's great. OSLC, our big leadership conference, is happening, I think, next week or week after. And you're really committed to uh, to the uh, to the health set here. I know this. Yeah, is and I have to give credit to Dr. Greg Wells, who's been on our podcast before. Listen to season one, you'll find him out. Epic member of our faculty. We're pumped today to have Mr. Mark Bowden on our show, who is a world-renowned body language thought leader and founder of Truth Plane Communication Training Company. Mark's cutting-edge system of non-verbal communication techniques helps audiences become more confident, collaborative, and credible in their communication. Voted Global Gurus, check this out, Global Gurus number one body language professional. Mark trains individuals, teams, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and prime ministers of G7 countries. Did you hear that? Yeah, say that he again. Is, he, yeah, he trains prime ministers of G7 countries. He obviously has not had any time to work with Mr. Trump. Your uncle. Mark is on the faculty of the Kellogg Schulich uh, Executive MBA program, president of the National Communication Coaching Association of Canada. Mark's TEDx talk has reached millions. He is the go-to body language commentator for CTV, CBC, Global, quoted in the Wall Street <coughs> Journal, Washington Post, and the GQ. And GQ. Best-selling books are 
uh, winning body language, winning body language for sales professionals, tame the primitive brain, brain, and truth and lies, what people are really thinking when they're talking to you. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, he's got a lot going on. Yeah, so I'm pumped up. Mark is uh, Mark has a bit of a Phil Jones. I feel like we have like people like Mark and Phil on the show. We're more international. Well, yeah. I mean, they do have... They are from Britain. Yeah, and they have good accents. Although Mark does live in Canada now. He's a proud Canuck. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I should, I should ask him that question in the interview. Um, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy our wide-ranging, sometimes humorous, but very informative, um, mind-opening conversation with Epic faculty member, Mr. Mark Bowden. All right, we're super excited this week to have our guest on The Authentic Entrepreneurs, Mr. Mark Bowden. You can see his picture on the screen behind us if you're watching on the YouTube. If not, it doesn't really matter. I can trust you that Mark is a handsome man, um, as you can see. He looks a bit like he should be in the James, Vaughn, James Bond movie. Um, and when you hear his voice in a second, you'll probably agree. Um, Mark, thanks for joining us on, uh, on the podcast today. Well, my great pleasure to, uh, to give you that, that Bond voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's and, different. And the bond looks. You're too, you're too kind. You're a little, a little too kind. Well, you know, it's funny bond that you should say that be, because Mark, Mark Bowden, is a, uh, he's an expert in body language, and he travels the world speaking, as you heard in the intro, uh, to large organizations, and he's often consulted in the media about politicians' body language. He teaches people how, in, you know, in positions of power to, to display body language better and to read people better. Um, so it's really interesting that we can't see you right now, um, and you could be doing all sorts of things, and we wouldn't have a clue what your body language was saying. But well, uh, just use your, use your imagination. I'm, oh, I, I am. I will use it. So, Mark, I, I want to go right back, right back to the very beginning because it, it is such an interesting career that you have, um, and there's not a lot of people out there that do what you do. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, what is the origin story of of Mark Bowden? How on earth? Did you get from a small child, and I'm not even sure, where were you born? Oh, I was born in a town uh, 60 miles north of London called Northampton. Uh, a fairly uh, unknown town, though uh, the best shoes in the world are made in Northampton. At one point, it was going to be the capital of England, uh, but it unfortunately burnt down before that was possible. Uh, it was going to be one of the great university towns at one point as well, but Oxford and Cambridge petitioned Henry VIII that it shouldn't be, and so that didn't happen either. And so what you got was a very small industrial leather town, and that's what I, I grew up with. Um, uh, me and, and luminaries such as the, the comic book writer Alan Moore, oh. uh, who, who transformed uh, Batman. Wow. Wow. Um, how, did, how did you get, so continue on the story here. So that's where you grew up. Where does your love for body language, where does all that, where does that spark from? Where did that come from? Yeah, so as a kid, I was uh, really obsessed with visual imagery and, uh, and animal behavior. And uh, now I'm dyslexic, so I was really, really obsessed with visual imagery because, because uh, though I'm pretty literate, uh, just reading is, and writing is very, very hard. It's a massive effort. It's not that I can't do it. It's just super, super hard to do. And so I got really good for many reasons, therefore, at how to construct visual images and how to decode visual images. And, and, and I was really interested in biology. 
as well. And so I took all of those studies further, got really niched in visual art and uh, how to tell stories with pictures, then into theatre and film and advertising and television. And again, how to influence the thoughts and feelings of people by the images that you play on them. Uh, then I got taken into the areas of politics as well and, and how to uh, use those skills within what we might call propaganda and then into business and how to tell stories with the images that your body makes in order to lead others and sell to them and, and get the, the wheels of commerce going uh, in a more lubricated way, I would say. In speaking with that, then, like, that's the really interesting topic for me. So what are some, you know, for in your work, what are, what are things that you're you're noticing or that, you you know, you've taught uh, when you're talking to, you know, people of, uh, I guess, of stature, politicians or prime ministers and uh, people that are that are leading companies? What's what's the one big, um, you know, the, the 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 one big technique that you teach them when it comes to, you know, uh, propagating good body language in their in their everyday? Yeah, so the main thing, uh, which is great for anybody who's trying to be a leader, whether they're, you know, one of my clients that's leading a country or wants to lead a country, or whether it's a, an entrepreneur who wants to lead some investors into delivering more money to them, or whether it's uh, somebody who wants to sell you something and lead you into buying more or, 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 or buying something you don't already have. The thing about being a leader, you have to understand, is to be a leader, you must be followable. You must be followable, and you must be visually followable. If you're saying things and doing things, and people are watching you and hearing you and going, yeah, I don't quite what's happening there. What's going on? What's, what's, if they can't actually follow what you're saying and what you're doing, you will have no followers. Now, if you make yourself eminently followable, you could have the worst idea on the planet, but you'll get a whole bunch of people behind you because your competition may not be followable. You don't need the best idea to be the leader. You just need the most followable idea to be the leader. And so that's really, that comes down to it, that's really what I'm doing with the leaders that I work with, is helping them understand a bigger range of vocabulary what that vocabulary triggers in audiences across the world, so cross-culturally most of the time, and exactly what to pick on that is most followable about that vocabulary so they can get as many people as they need or the right people behind them and their message. So ultimately, uh, answer to your question, it's, it's followability that I'm working on. And how, how is, that, is that a technique? Like... I, I know, like, you know, to be more followable. So is it a way that I stand, the way that I present myself, the breaths that I take before speaking or like before the words that I use? Like what if I if I was to, to stand up? I mean, we're all in the speaking realm of things, Mark. And so if, if I were to look and I, I have a client tomorrow, say I'm, I'm presenting at a, at a conference and I want to walk away from a conversation that you and I are having and I want these, you know, my client to, to look at me and be like, he's a followable guy. What are some of the things that I can do on stage to be a little bit more followable? Oh, okay. So, so simplicity. Uh, so, so I, you know, based on your question, it's more difficult for me to get into exact tactics sure. for you because ultimately, uh, first of all, to be followable, you're going to have to be simple and clear and consistent. 
and relentless with the same visual message. Clear, consistent, relentless. Now you're going to go to me, well, hang on, I, what, what should my body do? Well, I don't know, because what, are you, what effect are you trying to get? How do you want them to think about you, feel about you? What do you want them to say about you when, when they've left the room? Tell other people about you. So what we have to do with, with clients, what I have to do with clients is I, I have to ask them, what is the thing that you want people to think and feel about you during and afterwards so, and so much that they would propagate it? to others they would grow it with others propagate that's where we get the, the word propaganda yeah we're going to create propaganda what we're trying to do is create a message that lives on its own that once you pass it on to somebody else they pass it on it's, it's viral it, it has its own morphology that's amazing insight. So when, when you're working with like um, entrepreneurs and business owners and people like that, why, why is it so important for people to have, you know, good body language and good, um, uh, you know, good body language and, and good followability as, as a leader? What, 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 are you, what are the things that you're coming across and you're feeling like you're like, okay, well, this is one of the reasons why they need to have that as a, you know, as a politician or, or as a business leader in itself? Yeah. So, so first of all, there is no good or bad body language. There's, there's just behavior okay. and results. That's all there is. There's no, what is good body language in one situation can be bad body, body language in another situation. First of all, we have to go, what is the result that you're looking for? And what are you prepared to do in order to get that result? What behavior, what behavior do we need in order to get you the result uh, that, you, uh, uh, that you want? So, uh, again, we've got to look at what, what is the result uh, that, that the uh, presenter is, is trying to get, the, the communicator is trying to get. And so when you're, when you're doing with, like you're working with people, um, and, you know, one of the things, like I, for me, like on stage and, and things, like I feel like I'm, um, you know, pretty confident on stage, Mark. Like, you know, I, 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 I know what, I, I, I'm pretty clear on my message. What, what I really struggle with is when I'm in like, you know, cohorts with like, you know, um, say like the speak and spill, um, you know, the wonderful, the wonderful event that we're going to, that we're going to on, on, uh, on the weekend where all these spillers and, and, and speak, speak, all these speakers are coming into one, under one entity. What are some things that like a person who's like, I feel like I'm an introvert or an extrovert when I'm on stage, but I'm an introvert. Um, when I'm around people, especially people I know, but not really know them that well. Are there some techniques that you teach, you know, entrepreneurs and business leaders on how to overcome their introversions? Yeah, for sure. All we, all we do is to look at your behaviors when you're being the kind of person you would like to be with that, uh, with that group who trigger you into behaviors that you, you're, you're not so keen on. And then uh, I'd say to you, well, can you just do those behaviors with those people? Just do it on purpose. Just let's, you know, so for example, if you're telling me, okay, when I'm in front of an audience, I'm less of an introvert. I would call myself an extrovert and, and I like that version of myself and I would like the group that I'm going to be in. I'd like them to see that version. So I'd just say to you, well, what do you do? when you're not what are you thinking what are you feeling that's one way of doing an intervention so what are you um 
what are you uh, thinking would be uh, an intervention for a philosopher? What are you feeling would be an intervention for a therapist? But as a behaviorist, my intervention is, is what are you behaving? What are you doing? And, and then I say, well, can you do that with that group? And then you might say to me, well, yeah, I don't know whether I can do that with a group. That would feel a little bit odd. And I go, yeah, it will feel a little bit odd because you don't normally do that with that group. But it will get you the result that you want. So are you willing to sacrifice an odd feeling for the result that you want? Because nothing is free. So your behavior, your new behavior in that situation will feel odd. You may even give it terms like inauthentic because you don't know how to describe odd feeling, discomfort. So you go, it doesn't feel quite right to me. Well, that's okay. You can do your old patterns or you can test out some new patterns. So these patterns can be quite individual or there can be quite some quite universal patterns. Uh, if I were to give you a, a universal pattern that I would predict you maybe use, if you're walking into a situa situation and you're feeling that you're being less uh, extrovert, uh, which actually psychologically is, a, is, a, is kind of a bad way of describing it. Actually, what you're just being is cautious. You're walking into the environment and you're being cautious. So I would say, hey, well, what do you do when you're less cautious, when you're more optimistic in an environment? Well, I know what a lot of uh, upright hominids, uh, homo sapiens do when they're, when they're uh, you know, less cautious. They move into parts of the room which are more open and less uh, secluded, where they're more exposed, essentially. So I might say to you, hey, when you walk into that, uh, that room full of all those people, quickly look around the room and find a really exposed area, yeah, and go and walk into that area and take up that space. And then use open body language, open up your body and invite other people towards you. These are hugely risky maneuvers for a human being in an environment that they feel like they could be more cautious in. So it will feel uncomfortable for you. But that's the price of the results that you maybe want. I hope that makes some sense to you on that. Question. You know, I, I, like it, I don't know if you can see me, but... I took a bunch of uh, I took a bunch of notes. Like, I, it's interesting, Mark. You're you're pure genius in in uh, in your in your niche because I tell you what, I was listening to what you're saying and I'm thinking about the environment that you know we're all going to be in soon. And I'm also thinking about what I do before I go on stage when I have good energy when I do. And these are all things that I could do on my way, my walk up that I just didn't think to because I don't equate you know with being on stage and being what people are going to see to being in a situation where we're all just peers learning from each other. And now I'm like. Well, that actually makes a lot of sense. I have these protocols that I do when I'm getting ready to go and, and present, as all of us, I'm sure, as presenters do, and I can just apply that to when I'm about to enter a room. So genius. I, I, these are things I'm going to be doing in a few uh, when I enter that room for sure. So I, I appreciate that.
Yeah, just to follow up on that, what, what we call that in, in psychological terms is, um, and behavioral terms to a certain extent, is persona theory. In that what you're telling me is that you have some behaviors for one situation and other behaviors for another situation. And you haven't worked out so that we might say that you've got one persona that you're bringing forward, aspects of yourself, because yourself is made up of many different aspects of persona in persona theory. Other theories would say different, but in persona theory, that would be the model. And, um, and what we often don't realize is we can transfer a persona from one situation to another situation and get a better result when we use that certain persona that's got us a good result in one context, it could get us a really good result in another context. But our self doesn't often try that because our self tends to compartmentalize these personas and think they can't be swapped around. Really inventive, creative people with their identity and with their self and with their personas will swap them around all over the place for fun or, or to experiment or to get results that they want. So I think what you're talking about is doing some of that, really. Yeah, it absolutely is. No, this is this is great. Mark, uh, you're, you're talking kind of about like having that Tom, Todd Herman, the alter ego, kind of having different egos, really, different personas. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you can, you can, different people will use different language and yeah. different, you know, kind of categories ar around this. But really all we're signing up to is the idea that uh, the self has many different facets to it, and you can you can uh, let some of those facets shine more than others, and you can do it on purpose, and you can choose some of the uh, facets that you uh, show. Uh, there's other theories out there which are kind of kind of whole person theories, which 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 kind of the idea of authenticity comes into as well, which says no, there's a, there's a you, and and this you is 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 the same everywhere, and 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 we all get very upset if our if the you doesn't get to express itself, and and persona theory would kind of play against that to an extent and go there are many facets of it, and we're able to show it's like you know um you know if your parents are still around and you get on the phone with your mum or your dad i bet you talk differently than how you talk to anybody else yeah. you know if you were talking to me right now on the phone and i heard the voice and the expressions that you use with your mum and your dad i might go is that the same person and you go yeah no it's me and i go but you're doing something completely different than, than me. And if I was really, you know, got ridiculous about it, I'd be going, are you being authentic with me? Or I'd go, you'd be really being authentic with your mum and your dad. And you'd go, yeah, I'm being authentic with both of you. And I'd go, but you're so different with your mum and your dad. And to me, I don't, I don't know which one is you. And of course, we, we show different aspects and different of ourselves to different people because they're different environments and we want different things as well out of them. I guess for, and for entrepreneurs, or people in business, I mean, you want different things from different clients, so you may be different for each person you work with. Absolutely, absolutely, and so, and so everybody needs to understand that we might treat clients differently than we're treating ourselves. We might treat people in one department different from we're treating others. And now, obviously, we hope we're treating everybody with a, a, a base level of respect 
and, and humanity, but there might be some quite diverse or, or subtle and nuanced differences as to how we show up with different people in our company, in our lives, in, in uh, different between family and business. And, and we shouldn't mistake that for being two-faced or right. inauthentic or lying, for example. Um, Mark, I'm thinking about 2019 now, 2020, and the rapid change from, you know, if you go back 20 years ago, so let's say we go back to 1999, and we'll party like it's 1999, but if you go back to that time, um, everything, it was a much more personal interaction, uh, human interaction, visual interaction, uh, like face-to-face -face in real time. A lot of people now are putting out their their messages via YouTube videos or live things on the internet or posts on Instagram and, and they're filtering it and they're posting it and they're they're redoing it 50 times. What do you what do you think of that? You know, you do you think of those filtered the filtered language they're sharing with their physical and their verbal communication? Yeah, it's interesting because um, you know what technology does, or mechanisms, or industrialization of something uh, does, is usually gets us uh, to more people quicker, cheaper. You know, as a, as a as a general rule, I would say more people. So when we communicate using technology, we're gonna get the sense of I can get to more people much quicker, cheaper, and there's a there's a big bonus. To that and but of course there's a downside everything costs everything every behavior has prizes and punishment everything you do potential prizes and punishment it's not all upside not all downside there are there's a there's a balance somewhere around the around the two of them okay and so what we do is every time we look at a piece of technology or a tool is we've got to work out what is the benefit that we're getting out of this when we use this well, and what is the risk or the downside around this, and are we getting more benefit than we're getting downside? And so, yes, there are certain people who suffer alienation because of the technology, um, uh, you know, fears of loss, fears of missing out are uh, 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 classics around that but for all those people you have a whole bunch of people who are getting are not getting a loss they're getting a gain and they're not missing out on things and so in a, especially in a globalized uh world where so for example me i have uh you know family across the world and so i have a tool which um allows me to be in contact with my family back in Northampton, that, that, that leather town, um, <laughs> anytime I want, anytime we want to meet, yeah, we can pretty... meet. Downside is some people are getting alienated by it because it's not all upside. Some of it's downside. So, you know, I've got nothing against any of the technologies out there. I'm just going to be uh, realistic around there's going to be upside and there's going to be downside. And we could talk you know, about each piece of technology or format and, and go, hey, what are the upsides and what are the downsides? But that's, that's my general rule around it. It's just a tool. Not, nothing about communication has changed. Facebook has changed nothing about human communication. 
it has created a tool that has made some elements of it quicker, cheaper to more. Uh, and, and, some element, and so some things suffer and some things get better around that. But human communication has not changed. It hasn't changed for at least 100,000, uh, 200,000 years. And so I'm not expecting within the next uh, few millennia anything really to happen uh, and, and technology to make any difference. Do you think technology makes a difference when it comes to communication business-wise, though? Like when it comes to, um, you know, how people interact, you know, emails back and forth and then how they how they perceive each other, like when they see each other in person? Like there, there used to be like a, you know, I mean, before I was in business and such, my dad used to talk about like, you know, proper business acumen when you would when you present, when you talk to someone and people wouldn't. Have, but he seems that nowadays that, you know, because everything's done so quickly on, you know, uh, so media platforms like email, things like that, that the the uh, professional business acumen is not happening as, as prevalently as it was years ago. That, that may be true. Something has to suffer. When you are uh, able to very quickly, very cheaply send a message to, um, you know, a, a half a nation uh, in a country that you were not born in and have no contacts in, uh, that's pretty phenomenal. Something's got to suffer. Something's got to, you know, it's not, yeah. it's not free. So something has to suffer. So ultimately, we might, we might go, uh, you know, what about all these, these miscommunications? that are happening uh you know we're just emailing each other and people can't see each other's faces and so they can't see the feeling and intention so they're defaulting to negatives and they're getting so much wrong and, it, and it's a big it's a big problem yeah it's a big problem because you know it, but at the same time you're doing this with a country that um uh, two decades ago you wouldn't have had any business with because you weren't on their doorstep, you weren't part of their group, you weren't born there, and now they're accepting your message. Yay, they're getting it wrong. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> they're getting it wrong. They'll get it right tomorrow. Try again, try again, try the next day. It will get better, but you, are, you have access now to a global world and people, even within your own uh, you know what? Uh, back in the day, a couple of uh, um, you know, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, you'd go to the the people who who were who would help you uh, with what you were going to do in your life. And for me, in in the town that I lived in, and the and the class that I was uh, part of, the, the social uh, status that I that I was born into, they basically would say they'd sit you down and they'd go, well. Do you want to be in the army or the navy? Uh, you're not of the right class to be in the air force, so army or navy is what they'd say. Well, and, and that was the choice for me. And uh, and then at the age of uh, let's say about um, gosh 10, 11, something like that, I got a computer, and I've got now command over this this whole kind of world. And then later on came. I remember when I first got email. Got email. It was extraordinary. Uh, one of the first emails I sent was to a hero of mine called Douglas Adams, who wrote The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is, um, uh, but when, once I'd finished The Hitchhiker's Guide trilogy, I vowed that I would never, ever read another novel because nothing could ever be as good as The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I did uh, kind of break that vow when I read Harry Potter. 
uh, when that came out, because everybody was saying, it's fantastic. So I thought, oh, I better, I better read this thing. It was pretty good. Um, but so, I, so I, I wrote an email to my hero because on uh, he, he wrote the back page of the first ever Wired magazine, and he put his email address on it. And I went, that's my hero. That's his, that's his email address. And I wrote him uh, an email, and it said, uh, I've got email. It's pretty cool, isn't it? And he wrote back, and he went, yeah, it's really cool. And that was, <laughs> that was the, our, our, our interaction there. And it made my day <laughs> that my hero talked to me. In a, in a, without that, I wouldn't have been able to talk to this person. And now I work with people all over the world, and we miscommunicate, and we get stuff wrong, and, and problems happen. But it's a protopia. Everything's getting better all the time. Everything is getting better all the time. It's no worse. It's no, yeah, there is, there's so much that could be better. And there's so much that's bad. But in, And the pendulum swings left and right and left and right in some extremes. But the clock still keeps on moving forward for, for I think, the majority of us on the planet. I agree. My grandfather would, would argue with you. He would say the only way to make a real deal is with a handshake. Um, but he was, uh, he'd be 110 right now, so 112 right now. But things have changed, but there's still, everything changes and everything still stays the same, eh, Mark? Yeah, um, I, I don't know whether your grandfather get, ever got conned by anybody after he made that handshake. <laughs> um, Probably because did. he'd have realized that a handshake only means anything if it, if it turns out that your trust, the trust was valid. Um, you know, I remember doing my first contract over email uh, it was a weird job. I, I wrote uh, all the questions to a um, to uh, a machine in Vegas that would uh, it, it was like a general knowledge machine, and it would ask you questions. If you got enough right, it would pay you money. Oh wow! Uh, I wrote all the questions. I think about five thousand questions. I wrote uh, wrote for that machine, and I made the deal over over uh, email on CompuServe back in the day of CompuServe. And they would send me checks. And, of course, it could have gone badly wrong. Your grandfather may well have gone, hey, see, there you go. They didn't send the checks. You, you needed a handshake, mate. That's what yeah. you needed. You needed a handshake. <laughs> well, for every handshake, there's a, there's a con. And, and, and for every non-handshake, there's a deal that goes through. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. It's absolutely true. I think that's something that we need to keep, just keep uh, evolving as human beings and, and, and figuring that out, I, I think, is really the key, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you know, I, I think, you know, as we move forward, you've got to stay um, available and agile and, and, and agnostic about most stuff. Because, uh, you know, as things change, as, as the environment changes around us, uh, it's not the strongest or the most intelligent of the species that survive, it's the most adaptable to change. And so, and that's not my words, that's, uh, it's, it's usually put in the mouth of Charles Darwin, but we're, we're unsure whether Darwin ever actually well, said we can't, that. We can't uh, ask him, well. so. Um, but, uh, but I think it's a, it's a good, uh, relevant truism that sure. it's not going to be about how smart you are or how strong you are. It's going to be about how adaptable you are that causes you or your ideas to survive. The Authentic Entrepreneurs are brought to you by... 
Hey, it's Stu Saunders from the Epic Community and the Authentic Entrepreneurs. I just want to jump on here real quick and let you know that this May 2020, we're running the Epic Community event again. It was such a success last year and an incredible return ratio, 100%. But don't take my word for it. Listen to what those who were there, listen to how they feel about it. My brain and my heart are so full. It has soul. And I think this is the start of something very special. It's been real. You won't be disappointed. Blown away. Absolutely flawless. Perfect. You know that you're just around like the most amazing humans. Great experience, great people, great minds, great dis discussion. One might say, this is epic. That is just a sampling of what people thought about the Epic community. So do yourself a favor, go to theepiccommunity.com, apply to be a member, and join us this May 24th to the 27th in Toronto, Ontario. Um, what's the one biggest piece of advice you would give a, a, a new on, young entrepreneur? What's the one, one piece of succinct advice you'd give an entrepreneur when it comes to communication, body language, et cetera? Yeah, it's a piece of advice that actually was given me. Um, I, I was I was working with a guy, um, uh, pretty kind of, uh, um, I guess, prominent uh, uh, politician, and uh, he had an order of Canada. You guys will know what what that is. Yep, the yes. international viewers of this uh, and listeners won't, but it's a it's a lovely little award you can get, um, which marks you out as a, as a kind of superior Canadian. Uh, so you know, very valuable Canadian. And I saw his Order of Canada lapel badge that they all wear. All the people with Order, Order of Canada's tend to want to show you that they have one. And I, and I was thought to myself, you know what, I quite like one of those. That would be quite, you know, I'm a Canadian now. Why, why wouldn't I get one of those? So I said to the guy, I said, um, you know what, uh, I'd like one of those Orders of Canada. How do I get one? Uh, and he said, it's very easy, Mark. It's very easy. Just, uh, just stick with it. Just stick with it, he said. Just stick with it. Yeah. And, and I think what he was saying was, just carry on what you're doing and don't give up. Be relentless. Keep going. Just Stay keep focused. going. And that's really the, sort of the best advice that I've ever got is uh, keep on going. Keep on going because, um, you know, actually a, a very successful athlete uh, once gave me very similar advice. Uh, uh, she was going, well, you know, to win, the, to win the race at our level, you're hoping that others give up. Or get injured. It's like you, you just gotta like everybody's pretty much as good as everybody else. You're just hoping that one of them that was meant to win actually gives up and then it's your turn to win. So that's that thing of just keep on going and be relentless. Love it. That's a great that that's great advice and, and it's you know, it's the long game. It's always a long game. It's time for five big questions with Nick and Stu. And so I will uh, let my friend Nick begin. <clears throat> First question for you: What are uh, what's the what's the big thing you're learning right now, Mark? I know you're uh, you're a guy that's that's always always on the uh, always on the cusp of learning and things of that nature. What, what's what's the big thing that you're learning right now, and or, or or that you're reading right now at the moment that you're applying to your uh, to your everyday? Yeah, lovely. So I've, I've got a book on order from Amazon, and it's coming out on the first of uh, October, uh, and it's the ultimate guide to raising a puppy. So that's what I'm going to be learning. That's what I'm going to be learning. Is, is how I got to say, raise... that's the most original answer we've ever heard. I, I love it. Not what I expected. Uh, 
<laughs> so it's, it's by a, um, uh, 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 Victoria Stilwell, who actually I was, who's now become very famous in the US as, uh, as a dog behaviorist, canine behaviorist, and one of the, the kind of most popular kind of TV trainers of, of dogs. And we were at university together. We were on the same course, same class in university. She became one of the world experts on, on uh, canine behavior. And I became one of the world experts on human human behavior uh, and, and body language. So there we go. Brilliant. All right. Question number two. Uh, what is one failure you've had early in your career and that turned out to be a positive impact or change in your life? Yeah, uh, it's a really good question because uh, I don't view failure very, very well. It's very hard for me to, to think of anything positive that's ever come out of any uh, failure. I think simply because when I first was, uh, you know, learning as a kid, uh, I was on a daily basis, hourly minute basis, uh, an utter failure at what most other people kind of can do, which is reading and writing. You know, most of us uh, write hominids on the planet uh, are, are, you know, okay, pretty okay at reading and writing. I was terrible at it and and understand it's very hard to get on if you if if reading and writing if you're illiterate so um so that has affected my idea of failure and so when people go oh you know but you learn such a lot from your failures i'm like no all i learn is pain all i learn is is pain distress and misery from any failure that i have so if i can see any light at the end of the tunnel what that pain and misery uh, and emotional distress that failure has caused me what it's done is to make me totally relentless about trying to be the best at something but actually i don't think that's a very good um uh thing to be on the whole as a human so there's some upside to it because it kind of makes me quite successful at something that i try to do i will tend to want to be the best at it, and I'll try and get there. I'll, I will be relentless about getting there, but it, but it, it, you know, it's not the best thing to be around. So, so all of that to say, uh, I'm not your best person to ask what what's the good things that have come out of failures. Well, we've all got our we've all got our story about failure. Oh, yeah. So I love it. Don't that's nothing. No wrong answer. Question three: Who is uh, one of your biggest influencers or influences on the journey you are on? Yeah, so a huge influence on the, the work that I've done and, and also the work of others who I love their work as well uh, is, is a philosopher called Robert Anton Wilson. Uh, Google him, look him up, watch some videos, hold on to your hat. It's, 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 what he's trying to do is create a generalized agnosticism about everything. He's actually trying to really help Socratic thinking. He's trying to help people think uh, about thinking and think about the world and undo many of the belief structures that they hold very, very deal, uh, uh, very, very dear uh, to get a more generalized idea of possibility uh, in the world. That's my best way of, it, of explaining it. Um, so, Rob Anton Wilson, extraordinary writer, extraordinary uh, philosopher, and many of the artists that he has influenced are some of the, uh, well, my favorite artists. You might want to look up um, something like the K Foundation, uh, which was the artistic group that went to a small Scottish island and burnt a million pounds in cash. Wow. <laughs> wow. 
Wow, okay, I will, we'll look that up. Um, question four, you kind of already answered, but um, which was, uh, what is one thing you tell any entrepreneur, manager, executive who's just starting out in their career, which I think you've covered. Um, For sure. So I think we'll just do the bonus fourth question, which we asked you Lovely. Both, which is, could you share with us one of the more embarrassing moments that you have you've experienced on stage or in your you know in your in your experience doing what you do is there an embarrassing moment that you just you have a good story about we love we love asking speakers this yeah uh, you know what you can all you can you can go and watch it <laughs> okay <laughs> so, so so all you need to do and it's kind of embarrassing it's kind of not um, because because while it was happening I was well prepared for what was going to happen and and all four days of of the embarrassment and so i was countermeasuring that embarrassment that's not to say that there were not ramifications afterwards and 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 uh you know uh yes yeah, some, some some quite a physical and mental crisis afterwards but uh if you google nike streaker nike streaker uh you'll get the nike super bowl ad of i think um might be 2007 or something like that maybe earlier anyway i'm the streaker in it uh and i spent four days at millwall football club with a full stadium uh so thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the stadium uh professional football teams and we spent four days filming me streaking absolutely naked uh, in front of thousands of people. Amazing. Uh, and it was cold, by the way. It was, <laughs> was sub-zero. It was sub-zero temperature. Um, so, so, you know, that's... Um, that's... Kind of once you've done that, nothing... It takes, it takes quite a lot to put the fear of embarrassment yeah. into well, you after that. You know what we'll do is actually maybe while you're... Because we don't have your video here, maybe while you're telling that story... <laughs> Mikey can insert some of that video of you streaking yeah. right out of the perfect. podcast. Be a perfect background for it. So this is kind of a bonus bonus question. Now it's the random question. Or the random well, question. Yeah, so let's hit the button. Lovely. Hitting the button, the computer. Now we have a big computer here, Mark. You can't see it, but it's a mask. If you randomly picks one of us and a question to ask you, it's working right now. And Mikey hit the button. Nick won. Good. I won. Question that I can only ask you, and you'll only know what I'm talking about when I phrase it like this, but what football team do you support and why? <laughs> you know what? Uh, my dad uh, was a football referee. Uh, so as a kid, my experience of football was having your dad shouted at, <laughs> sworn at by thousands of people. So I'm not a big fan of football. I, 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 I was basically given aversion therapy yeah. on, on football. However, having said that, uh, as, a, as a kid, so I grew up in the 70s, I was born in 1970, and as a British kid, an English kid, there was only one team to support in the 70s, and that was Liverpool Football Club. You've got Kevin Keegan, you've got, uh, you know, some of the... Some of the, some of the uh, the, the greats, Kenny Dalglish, Kevin Keegan, uh, Peter Shilton, uh, some of the greats. Yeah. Um, so I did have a Liverpool scarf, and, that, and that's as close as I ever got to, to football. But I wouldn't know what they're doing in any football league at the moment. Yeah. Well, that's okay, because I haven't got a clue either, nor do I care about the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I know you live in Toronto, <laughs> so who cares? Um, Mark, thanks so much for this. Um, before we let you go, what are you going to share with our Epic community? Because if you don't already know, 
I think we mentioned it a number of times, but Mark is one of our amazing faculty in the 2020 Epic community in Toronto um, in May next year. Mark, what are you going to share? What's, what are you going to take away briefly um, you know, from that time spent with you there? Yeah, so my, my main focus is going to be on uh, what exactly uh, that crowd can do in any communication situation to stand out, to win trust and gain credibility when they're communicating. And we're going to look at that through that lens of nonverbal communication, uh, body language, maybe to an extent what they say as well and how the image can define and mold and frame what they say. But I think the main thing about that event, which is what's so great about it, is it's a really intimate audience. We've got all that faculty there and their you know, extraordinary uh, capabilities as well. And it's the main opportunity uh, for me and the audience there is, is that I can really answer their questions and what they personally want to know and get out some content for them that uh, really they're, they're not going to get anywhere else at any other time from me. It, it will be uh, way more uh, personal and individual and intimate than uh, most other uh, key, you know, keynote situations. You know, keynote situations would be proper conversation, proper talk, and the and the content that people really, really want and the help that they want. Yeah, we, we have 14 incredible faculty, and last year when we did it, all 13 of our faculty members, uh, which half of them are back this year, and we have half new ones this year. They all wanted to come back, but they said one of the unique things was the ability to really interact with the audience and really build up a, a relationship and trust with them, um, rather than just get on the stage and get off the stage, which has its benefits sometimes, but it's a small group, and we really appreciate you being part of it. Oh, it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Mark, how do people get a hold of you? What are, all your, uh, what are all your connection ways of connecting with you? Yeah, you'll, you'll find me all over the internet, and, and, and all you do is put in Mark Bowden or Truthplane, and, you know, up and come to the website, and you'll find, find me there, and, you know, check me out on Wikipedia, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all, over, all over that thing, so, uh, so just put my name into, uh, into Google, and up I'll come, Mark, Mark Bowden, body language. Your, your book, um, uh, your most recent book, which is, what, what is it? Sorry, the most recent book. Sorry, I taught my how to uh, Truth it. and Lies. Truth, Truth and Lies, what people are really thinking. Right. Is that coming out in audio? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really bad at knowing these things. Okay. Because I just <laughs> want to hear you tell me all these things. these books and then go, oh, whatever happens with it, happens with it. Uh, but I would, I would imagine so. I would imagine so. I just want to hear you tell. And I, and I just don't. I want, to, I want to hear you tell me all this stuff, just personally. So I really enjoy that. Um, Anyway, Mark, thanks so much for being with us and sharing your time, and we're looking forward to hanging out in May, and I know Nick and I will see you yeah, really soon as well before that, but uh, just thanks again for your wisdom and your time. My pleasure. Great to, to chat to you guys, and, and I will see you very soon. Yeah, very soon. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Bye now. Bye. All right, so I, uh, I think you agree that was uh, both fascinating, entertaining, uh, some of it above my pay grade. Um, it was there was so much there to unpack. A couple things about Mark that come to mind is like charming and smart, like smart. really really smart. And it's interesting having said that he didn't write and he didn't read well as a kid, and he would come across as I mean people always say the British accent makes mm -hmm. you sound better, but he really does sound 
Uh, and he does have so much knowledge to share. And, and, and I mean, we're so lucky to have him at Epic this May. But regardless, on the podcast, like, yeah. no, holy smokes. He, he keeps bringing it to, I mean, it, we're just trying to add as much... Uh, as much insight and and uh, insight to our to our community as we possibly can, and, and Mark, uh, you know, he kind of, he came as advertised. That's for sure. I, I knew he was going to be a great interview, and um, the insight and knowledge. I mean, again, like I'm just taking, you know, taking pages of notes here. Yeah. What was your one takeaway? Well, I mean, there was more than one. That's for sure. Well, but just to, just uh, one, one that I can talk about is um, I like the clear, consistent, and relentless when it comes to you know your entrepreneurial you know journey. What he was talking about, and, I, and he talked a lot of things about the body language and stuff that I really thought was was great. Um, but one of the things that really stuck out was the clear and consistent, relentless message, and making sure that like, are you followable? And it kind of made me reflect on my own kind of you know my journey as a you know as a leader of different companies and and as a presenter. You know, when I'm on stage, am I followable? You know, are you followable? Mm -hmm. and, and so he does dive in a little bit on how to become that. But I mean, it's different for different people, right? Yeah. The way you act on stage could be different the way I am. Yeah. And it could be working for me, but not working for you and vice versa. So are you followable? So that's one of the things that I'm really going to kind of lean into with, with Mark when I, when I see him again and uh, seeing how I can, you know, up my followability, if you will. Yeah. And we'll have that time to hang out with him too and do that. Yep. Uh, I like we talked about how, you know, through all the technology, at the end of the day, nothing has really changed. Yeah, communication is communication is communication, and uh, we do it differently maybe, but it's still at the end of the day, it's the same thing. Yeah, I think that's great to keep in perspective for someone who's been in business and entrepreneurship for, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, as well as somebody who's just starting out their business. Yeah, sure. Really valuable. Um, and by the way, if you're listening on iTunes, or Spotify, or whatever, make we, we've done it for you. Mikey's done the work. Um, if you go back to listen to Mark's most embarrassing story. Mikey, if you if you watch it on YouTube, it's there. We we found the clip, we put it into. Well he's, well, he's telling the story in our podcast just a minute ago. Mikey has put that clip into, so it's it's there. So you can see, you can see Mark on screen now, but you can see Mark fully naked yeah. at a British football game. Yeah, and it's a, it's a hilarious story, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about if you like, subscribe, and share uh, the Authentic Entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. where we get podcasts. Yeah. So uh, where you thanks get again, where, where, where anyone gets podcasts. Where we all get podcasts. Anybody. We all listen to it. Yeah, podcast.com. Yeah. That's not, that I don't know if that's a thing. Probably is. Well, sure it is. You, Probably you is. Some, whoever got that? Someone's bought podcasts. Whoever bought that? Whoever has that? Whoever got that? Brilliant. I'll look it up later. Um, next week on The Authentic Entrepreneurs. We have Aaron Gargan King, who is an online expert in marketing, branding, communication, she does everything from working with small organizations on getting their message out online through social media, as well as working with organizations such as the Oscars. She consulted the Oscars on their... Ho-hum. Like, yeah, right? The Oscars. Oh, well. We're super pumped to have her next week, so make sure you um, uh, come, come and join us again next week. And don't forget to sign up and subscribe and share. Um, and let us know what you think. We're always open to your, um, your ideas. And don't forget that, by the way, um, Epic is filling up. So... The EpicCommunity.com, uh, they sponsor the podcast, I guess you could say. Um, and uh, we, uh, we really appreciate um, all of our guests, all of our faculty, everyone who listens and is part of it. Uh, we believe in this community. So we're looking forward to next May. And, and thanks again for being one of our faithful listeners. That said, until next time, keep being authentic. Boom. Thank you for listening to The Authentic Entrepreneurs. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, keep being authentic.